Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Hi everybody, I'm Megan Thompson and I have Best Child here. And I wanted to um, spend some time talking about what to do when your highly sensitive child has an OVD diagnosis. But first I wanted to introduce our guest here. So (laughs) everybody Mm -hmm. say hi to Bess. Bess is a therapist and group practice owner in Massachusetts. And we actually met through a mutual colleague and good friend of mine, ours, and found out that she lives in Massachusetts, like, and like serves the high school that I worked, uh, that I went to school with, which is kind of crazy. (laughs) I know. I have kids from that area. It's funny. (laughs) We, um, I actually like, like sent you this weird message via email or something and that's how we we got to talking and I don't know if it was like a butt dial or something and um uh, it was fake whatever it was yeah (laughs) whatever it was I sent you like a funny email and you responded with a non-snarky remark but I totally would have been smart snarky if um I'd gotten the email that I sent to you by accident (laughs) I can't even remember what it was but anyways um, that got us to talking we found out that we live near um that you know she lives near where I grew up and we drive really well in terms of our style of um, therapy and personality and, and, and what have you. And um, Bess actually runs two Facebook groups on the therapy side, um, consulting and, and consults with therapists who work with teens um, who are self-harming and suicidal and um, I should say engage in self-harm. So hurt themselves or worry, um, or, or threaten to kill themselves or have attempted to kill themselves. And so, um, because I do a similar thing in my practice with, with highly sensitive teens, um, Bess and I really jived really well on on that respect as well. And, um, you know, we, we feel the same way about this, this diagnosis, oppositional defiant disorder. And, I wanted to talk about that today because um, somebody, a therapist, was actually talking about it in one of your groups, Bess, and and then you went live about it. And I was like, you know what, my parents, the parents I work with, need to hear about that too. But for those of you who are watching who are not familiar with um, with oppositional defiant disorder, I wanted to just spend some time really getting clear on what we're actually talking about first, so that you can get a picture of what I'm, why this gets us fired up and why it gets some therapists fired up and, and why it can be really harmful for your kiddo. So first I wanted to talk about, you know, what I'm, what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing is parents of highly sensitive kids, you know, you're dealing with daily meltdowns. You're dealing with um, kids who are telling you no, cause they're struggling to manage themselves at home or frustrated at school and not able to manage their own emotions well they feel big feelings we go over that a lot and so a a problem that I see a lot of parents or that I hear a lot of parents face is that they try and get support locally and that you know they're just looking for you know you're just looking for somebody who can hear them who can understand where they're coming from 
who can finally give them an idea of what to do about it. And the, the challenge with that is that some therapists are not equipped to understand highly sensitive kids and not really trained in understanding child development and the expression of emotions for children compared to teens or adults. And so what happens is that some parents of highly sensitive kids end up with a label. They end up with a diagnosis that, you know, and, and parents feel like, oh, finally, somebody gets it. There's a name for this. I, you know, the, they're going to help me. And, and that label or diagnosis is oppositional defiant disorder. This is really, in my opinion, professional opinion, scary for the highly, your highly sensitive child. Um, and not just gets me fired up and, and frustrates me, but I think that it can do a, a world of damage for your child to have an oppositional defiant disorder diagnosis. And I wanted to talk about that. But before we do that, I wanted to just read um, the, the, from the Diagnostics and Statistics Manual, which is the manual that we as therapists use to diagnose children and uh, adolescents and adults. It's what mental health professionals use. And there's, I'm not going to go on my ranty diatribe about um, what diagnoses are appropriate for kids versus what diagnoses are appropriate for um, for adolescents and, and adults. We're just talking about this one in particular. But I wanted to give you some clarity around this particular diagnosis so that you're fully informed on what the implications are for your child. And so the first thing to notice is that the section that this diagnosis lives in in the book is called Disruptive Impulse Control and conduct disorders. So it's a disorder that um, is categorized by the medical model of the way that we work with children and help children feel better um, as as a problem. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Like it's the problem child section or the problem child diagnosis section. And so that first like gets me really fired up because I say all the time your kid is not broken. And the second thing is that oppositional defiant disorder is characterized. I'm just going to read a summary of this straight from the book. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Um, of a parent pattern of angry, irritable or irritable mood, argumentative or defiant behavior or vindictiveness lasting at least six months. And so the angry or irritable mood might be that often loses temper, which we know highly sensitive kids have big feelings is often touchy or easily annoyed, which we know highly sensitive kids can be easily overstimulated and therefore touchy, is often angry or resentful. And we know that highly sensitive kids can struggle with their emotions and, and can react and be impulsive. Often argues with authority figures. I mean, uh, and you know, Bess, you were talking about it today and we can kind of chat a little bit about that. Like, we're oppositional right now, speaking <laughs> against our professional, you know, our colleagues. So yeah, I, I feel just... like that's kind of like one of my traits is that <laughs> I am defiant and oppositional. And I also think that sometimes we want our kids to be like, obedient and follow the rules. Yeah. But like really successful people don't do that. So it's kind of opposite of what we really want our ch children to do when they're older and adults in the yeah, world. Absolutely. And it's what I speak about a lot for parents of highly sensitive kids. You want to find those passions for your child and recognize that highly sensitive children, 20% of the population, they're the game changers for the world. They are the, you know, the, the, the big thinkers and the, you know, the philosophizers and the, the people who see the big picture and when you're capable of seeing the big picture, you're capable of doing a million things and, and some things very, very well. 
And um, that is the quality of an entrepreneur. And while I'm not highly sensitive, I can absolutely relate to that. You know, I definitely um, fit the bill, got my name written on the board in first grade every other day um, for talking or just, you know, perceiving my needs to be relevant over, over the teachers. And if we think about that and, and categorize that as oppositional, I mean, where would I be today if that was, if that was the case? So I really want you to think about that for your highly sensitive kid. Where is your child going to be if you let the professional who's working with your child categorize them as oppositional and defiant? And that is um, really, really significant in, in terms of a challenge for the, the way that your, your child therapist sees your kid and their capabilities. And so, Bess, I wanted to hear from you and, and, and talk about that and make this more of a conversation um, in the last couple of minutes because I do have a three o'clock appointment. Um, and see what, you know, your opinion is that on that in terms of when you get teens into your office, because that's your specialty, and especially teens who are hurting themselves and who are threatening suicide or, or who have uh, attempted suicide, because that's your specialty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I find that um, there are quite a few teens. Um, I would say more boys get the ODD diagnosis than girls do. Um, I find that when I get a teen who has had this history of this diagnosis, I usually ignore it, to be honest, because I'm like, I don't ever use this diagnosis because I feel like it never gets at the root of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also kind of creates all these assumptions for professionals, because one of the reasons we diagnose is so that when like I I provide kind of a summary of what I've done and I give it to you and it has a diagnosis on it, you kind of can make some assumptions based off of that information. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But the assumptions that you make based off of an ODD diagnosis are not helpful in order to to create rapport and a relationship with the child. Um, And so I think that it kind of can get in the way and be a barrier for people to look at this child as someone who can grow and change and someone who's really like has a sweet nature. And when I think of some Somebody who's highly sensitive, I definitely am a highly sensitive person, um, and my daughter is as well. Um, I I feel like at the core there's so so much good, and so if somebody has that diagnosis, it it just makes it feel like there's some maliciousness or there's you know there's some something driving on purpose yeah. um, their behavior. Mm-hmm. And uh, one term that's used a lot that I often will like cut parents off is that to use the term manipulative and they've heard that from other therapists too, which really upsets me because it really doesn't get at, I know we could talk about this probably for a really long time, but you do have another session right now. Yeah. I know. (laughs) Two minutes. (laughs) Yeah. And, and that's, that's basically what I wanted to get on here to talk about today for, for parents is that if you're working with a professional who is characterizing your child as oppositional and defiant, so much so that they are saying that your kid, your highly sensitive kid fits the bill for this diagnosis, my advice is to run. Go find somebody else. I mean, if your kid is, is threatening to hurt themselves or hurt other people, absolutely find another professional to work with before you leave that other practice or leave that other therapist. Um, but it is not, it is, I mean, it is not going to be effective working with someone who characterizes your child as oppositional and defiant. Um, I completely there is agree with no that. way, there is no way that that professional is capable of seeing where your child can be 
or where your child can go. They are simply treating the problems and making those problems go away. And if that's the that's what you want, um, then you need to see where your child can be. So you're actually doing your child a disservice by only focusing on the negative, and it's actually perpetuating the problem when you do that. And I've talked about that before, and so I'm not going to go into that today. But um, if you're having some trouble with that, finding professionals who are effective, or if this just doesn't sit with you well at all, the medical model of, of helping your child, then I would definitely encourage you to reach out for support. I'm no longer um, be staying quiet in the use of this diagnosis in this group. You know, I've kind of danced around the, the subject before and, um, you know, I've been running this group since February. And that comment in your Facebook group by that therapist, I mean, it just... <sighs> It just like lit a fire on my, under my ass. Like I can't, just mm-hmm. can't talk and not talk about it anymore. And so it's, I think it's really damaging for, um, for parents of highly sensitive kids and for the children that we're, we're talking about right now and for them as teens as well. Because if they stop therapy and then get back into therapy with another therapist as a teenager, I mean, there's a world of difference between perceiving a child as capable of making change or perceiving a child as oppositional and defiant. And I completely that really agree. just sets your kid up for not being able to make progress if you go in with that attitude. Totally. And, yeah. And I think it's really important that all parents who are listening to this hear what Megan's saying and say, and really make sure that you are asking all of the questions about their background, about the therapist that you're working with's background, and, and also kind of why they've come to this diagnosis. And yeah. like Megan said, I would probably run too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So again, you know, reach out for support, ask more questions, try and figure out what it is that you need to be asking. And and some, you know, especially, like I said, I can't diagnose your kid over Facebook, but um, it, it, it absolutely it needs to be a game changer for you. If, if you end up having a, your child wind up with this diagnosis, um, sometimes it's due to lack of information. And then other times it's, you know, like for pediatricians who give that diagnosis, because they're they're stuck with the medical model, you know. Doctors are, are stuck with the medical model if they if they they work in a traditional practice. Um, they have to find a diagnosis that fits your kid and then act upon it. But um, therapists who have the the expertise, or you know, parent coaches or consultants who have the expertise to understand child development and the the damage that this result this can result for your kid. Um, really, I um, think that there's no excuse for them to, to be using this diagnosis. And so, um, unfortunately, the way that certain agencies are run or the way that certain providers are operate, they, they just don't have the skills to identify why this diagnosis is so harmful and uh, can even justify it in using it um, and, and saying that it helps kids, which I, I wholeheartedly disagree and will never, I mean, I never use that diagnosis. Anytime a parent comes to me with that, um, either through the coaching business or through my private practice, I say, absolutely not. I won't use that diagnosis. And, and we work to find another one if they're in my private practice or or um, we, we address the, 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 the decision-making um, process accordingly, depending on how I'm working with families directly. So thank you, Beth, for hopping on here. And, you know, my, my 3 o'clock isn't here yet, but I'm sure they're walking in the door any minute. So I do want to thank wrap up. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, <laughs> Ninjas, let me know if um, hearing from Beth would be helpful for you again. I'm sure she'd be, love to, to get back on the line to, to give us more insight on what it's like to work with highly sensitive teens and the, the struggles you see from them and, and, 
and and how parents can can act now to help their their kids to avoid um, the challenges that you see in your practice. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to talk about self-harm anytime. Perfect. <laughs> love it. Okay, awesome. Well, then we'll just set a date. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> All right, thanks. Thanks, Megan. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.